For those of you who uh, may be fairly new to the church, my name is Tim McGill, and uh, I am uh, one of the missionaries that the church helps uh, uh, sponsor for many years. I've been up on the campus at Penn State, where uh, I've been uh, working with uh, the athletes there, Athletes in Action, is the name of our ministry. And I always consider it a privilege to be able to uh, come before you and to, to bring a little bit of uh, God's Word to us. Uh, I, I wish that it, it was under uh, more pleasant circumstances. Sorry to hear uh, Pastor Matt is uh, obviously he's in the hospital and we need to continue to lift him up in, in prayer. But I got a call last night at about 5.30 from Matt that he was uh, you know, in the hospital. and um, So I'm glad to be with you. And uh, to kind of maybe share some things that uh, God has been teaching me. Uh, some of you know I'm, I'm also taking some seminary classes from Moody Theological Seminary. And one of the things that I'm, I'm required in this one class that I'm doing or taking, one of the things that I'm required to do is, is what they call theological reflections. And this is where you take circumstances, situations that, that, that uh, you are going through in your class studies or in your ministry, and you are to kind of draw up a, a case study of something that's happening. And so I've been, I've been reflecting on a, on a situation. I had some friends that came over, and uh, we haven't seen them in years. Uh, the uh, wife was uh, someone that Denise, my wife, had led to the Lord many years ago when she was a student at Penn State. And they had been involved in ministry. We hadn't seen them in years, and so it was fun getting reconnected. But one of the things that, that her husband uh, was dealing with uh, he was struggling in his faith. Uh, he'd been in ministry, and he'd left ministry. He was coaching and, um, uh, as a basketball coach at the collegiate level, and uh, he just had been hurt because of some uh, friends, some Christian friends that had disappointed and let him down. He'd, he'd actually gotten fired from a job because of, of, a, of a friend, um, the AD, who was doing some things that wasn't right, and he, went to, he thought he had the, uh, enough of a relationship with him that he could you know, talked to him as a brother in Christ, uh, uh, concerned about what he was doing, and uh, as a result of that, he lost his job, and uh, he's just been going through it. A time of where he said, look, Tim, I, I am really struggling with my theology in terms of who God is and, and what he is like, and it's a crisis, yeah. Now, I don't know if you've ever gone through that yourself uh, in terms of struggling with uh, issues, circumstances in your life. Maybe, maybe you've been challenged because of those circumstances, to think about maybe not walking anymore with the Lord, not serving Him anymore. You know, God hasn't been treating you well. And, and, and so it, it's, it's with that coupled with some of the things that I've been going through in the last number of years that, that I've, I kind of want to bring to you some, uh, some points, uh, some theological reflections. As I said, it's, a, it's where you take kind of like a case study of what you're going through. You write it down in terms of the events, the things that are happening uh, what you said, what they said, or what, what you thought. And then you take that case study and you filter it through your system of theology. Why? Why do you do that? So that you have a chance to sit back or stand back or sit back, whatever it is, and kind of look at the, the circumstances and, and how well are you doing personally? How well am I doing in terms of my development character-wise with regards to Christ? Am I becoming more Christ-like? Are, are there some areas in my life that I need to change? And so I've been doing this this summer, and uh, so this is a little bit of, a, of an exercise I guess you guys are going to be part of as you let me kind of expound on some of the things that God has been teaching me this past week as it relates to this issue, uh, the issue of, of the challenge at times for us to walk with Christ 
when things aren't going well. I've entitled this message, um, Peter's Call to Remember. See, Peter, in 2 Peter, if you have your Bibles, feel free to turn there. In 2 Peter, uh, Peter uh, basically gives a, a, a call to, to that group of people that he was uh, uh, sending this letter to to have them remember certain things. And so there's, there's basically three points to this morning's message I want to kind of leave with you. And, and that is the, the aspect of uh, Peter's call to, for us to remember who we are. That's the first thing. Secondly, to become, to, to remember that we are to become all that we can be spiritually. And then, and then thirdly, to remember the results of understanding who am I in Christ. I am to become all things, you know, I am to become all that I can spiritually. Remember the results of that. Um, if, if you're there in Second Peter, it's, it's an interesting uh, letter that Peter is writing uh, to a group of believers who are struggling, quite frankly. <clears throat> They've been going through some persecution. The Roman government has begun to um, kind of uh, attack Christianity. And some of these believers are, are, are beginning to think, you know what? When I worship these other gods, I didn't have this kind of hassle or difficulty in my life. Some of the Jewish members that were part of, of the churches at that time were saying, you know what? It might be a whole lot easier if I just go back to Judaism. You know, the Roman government accepts Judaism. I'm, I'm not going to get alienated. I'm not going to feel persecuted or you know, just have to go through the struggles that they were having to go through. And Peter wants them to not give up. He wants them to continue to move forward. You know, oftentimes when we go through hard times, it, it's, it's difficult to just put one foot spiritually in front of the next, or, or maybe sometimes even physically. Um, a, a number of weeks ago, the earlier part of the summer, I was at, at Moody. I had a class, uh, a week of classes that I had to take. And, and those classes are always challenging because they're 10 hours of, of class time. We, we start at 8 o'clock in the morning. We don't get done, done until 6 o'clock. And, and I, God bless those professors. I don't know how they do it for, for that time. We get an hour off for lunch, and there's two 20-minute breaks in the course of that time period. But they are teaching the whole time. And it's hard enough to, to absorb all that, but I think of these guys who are just, they're just giving all they have that whole week. And then at 6 o'clock, we break. We go find some place uh, in downtown Chicago to grab a quick bite of, uh, to eat, to dinner. And then we're back to the dorms. And I'm staying up till 12, 1 o'clock, you know, writing papers because I've got another class. And I've got papers that are due Tuesday night and Wednesday night and Thursday night. And I'm up. And I'm not a young person anymore, okay? <laughs> and it's tough. I'm ready to go to bed at 9 o'clock at night, you know? And, and I'm having to, to push through this. And on top of that, I, you know, I'm thinking I'm, I got allergies. It turns out to be a sinus infection. You know, it just as the week goes on, I'm getting sicker and sicker. I've got plantar, plantar fasciitis on this left foot. My heel is killing me. I got a blister on my right foot because of, of the new pair of shoes I, I had bought. And I, I'm having a hard time walking. Now, you may think, well, okay, that's not that big of a deal, Tim. Yeah, it was because I'm praying and I'm asking God to take away the sickness, take away the, you know, the pain that I'm feeling. I mean, I'm to a point where I'm thinking about just quitting and just saying, you know, telling my professor I'm sick, I'm going to go home. And I think, well, I can't do that. And, and, and the one thing the Lord taught me was this. As I was praying, God, remove this, remove it. He didn't remove it. And he said, Tim, I'm not going to remove it. Now, he didn't say this in an audible voice, but, but it was, you know, as I was praying and thinking about the issue. He said so much to me, like, I'm not going to take this away from you, but I'm going to be with you through it. Can you lean on me? Can you trust me? Can you ask me to help you? 
No, I'd rather have all this stuff go away so that I could focus my attention. You know how hard it is when you're sick to sit there for 10 hours and listen to a professor you know, who's saying good things, but just try to absorb that and try to understand it. I mean, by 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I can't form sentences. You know, it's like, man, I, and then on top of that, I've got to go back home and I, or back to the dorm room and I've got to you know, continue reading. I've got to do papers. I've got to submit these papers. I mean, it was, a, it was not a fun week. On top of that, the air conditioning wasn't working well in the dorms. So it was, it was hot, it was sweaty, the, bo- the, the beds were not comfortable that we slept. I mean, it was a miserable week, quite frankly. And the only thing that got me through it was this. It was the thinking of, okay, I just got to get up and make it from the dorm room to the classroom, literally. And that's, that was, began the mentality. Okay, I only got to make it to lunch. If I can make it to lunch, I'll get a break. Okay, and then it was like, okay, if all, all I got to do is make it past dinner. And then it was like, okay, all I got to do is just read this chapter. All I got to do is, is God is ask you to help me, to give me the strength to form these sentences, to write these papers, to submit them. And you know what I found? Is that God was faithful to help me, to give me the strength. I remember getting in the car Saturday morning. I got a nine-hour drive. By this time, my throat hurt so bad. I know I don't have allergies. I know it's, it's a sinus infection. I am sick. I am coughing up all, all, all kinds of wonderful things that don't look good. I mean, I can barely talk. I've got such a hoarse voice. And I'm thinking, how am I going to drive back to State College? And I said, well, God, just please keep me awake. Give me the strength. I mean, I had to make a number of stops, but long story short, is God was faithful. He gave me the strength to get home. Now you say, well, that's kind of a silly thing. Yeah, but it really taught me a very important lesson. And that is, okay, I'm not worried about, for example, this major paper that I've got due, you know, next week. I'm just going to worry about, let's get through the sermon. Let's get through my, going back to my internship tonight. You know, just a step at a time. And as I do, asking God, God, will you help me? Will you give me the strength? Will you give me the the mental toughness? Whatever it is that I need to get through it. And not worry about, well, you know, next week or next month or this next class i got to take. It's just, okay, i just got to get through just this next hour. And it is amazing how God really shows himself faithful, at least he has in terms of recently with this experience that I've been having. And, and, and what I'm even going through today as it relates to this issue, the, the call to remember certain things. Um, in Second Peter, if you're, if you're there in Second Peter, I just want to quickly draw your attention to, to chapter 3, verse 18, because there's some, some of these challenges that, that Peter wants to have the believers he's writing to to remember about what they've been taught about who God is. And, and do you see there in, in chapter 3, verse 18, uh, where, where Peter talks about how we are to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, that word knowledge appears a number of times here in Second Peter, and, and in particular chapter 1, which we're going to look at here in just a few seconds uh, to get a flavor of where, uh, where Peter is going. You see, it, it, is, it is a challenge for us to begin to, to know God at, at that deep level. But to have the correct knowledge of who God is and what he is like. You see, it is one thing to have head knowledge about God. It is another thing to have experiential knowledge. Maybe you've heard uh, people say, well, you know, the most important thing is to have experience, right? You've heard that, right? It sort of makes sense. Do you really think about it? Is, is experience really valuable? Well, if the experience that you are having, you are like the dog that continues to return to its vomit, that experience is not good. What do I mean by that? Well, 
the experience of having, you know, of, what you, of where you go through situations, but you never learn from that experience. You continue to do those wrong things. Well, is experience valuable? No. Valuable experience is, is when I go through a set of circumstances and I learn from those circumstances, especially as a believer. I learn in terms of how to make right kind of decisions or how to respond properly to situations so that God is more, uh, better glorified. Okay, if you're there in Second in, in Peter, look in verse... Um, Let's just go verses 1 through 11 just quickly. It's a list. It's a little tedious, um, but, but I want to move slowly enough, and I want us to walk through this because this is really important, I think, in terms of what Peter is, is trying to say to these believers and then by extension to you and I as it relates to this issue of a call to remember, to remember who we are, to remember that we are to become all that we can be spiritually, and to remember the results of this. Okay, Peter begins by saying in verse 1, uh, Simon Peter, servant, Oh, by the way, I'm reading from the, e, uh, the ESV, English Standard Version. Um, but he says this. He says, uh, Simon Peter, servant uh, and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has been granted to us uh, who's granted to, uh, to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, he says, make every effort to supplement or to add your faith, certain things, such as virtue, and to, to add with virtue knowledge, and with knowledge self-control, and with self-control steadfastness, or perseverance, and, and with steadfastness godliness, and with godliness brotherly affection, and with brother, brotherly affection love. This is uh, agape love. It's a supernatural love. Verse 8, he continues. He says, For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he, has, uh, that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling uh, and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Uh, in verse 11 he says, For in this way... There will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This part here, what Peter talks about, kind of reminds me of a story uh, back in the Old Testament. There was a time when Jeremiah comes before God, and he, and he says, you know, God, I, I got a bone to pick with you, chapter 12 of Jeremiah, uh, verse 1. He says, I got, a, I got a bone to pick with you. He said, God, I don't understand. How is it or why is it that the wicked prosper? You ever ask yourself that question? You know, why is it that this person over here who, who, who has no desire to know God or follow God, doesn't even think about God, he seems to be or she seems to be getting along very fine, very well. Things are going, going okay financially, career-wise, or academically, or whatever it is, relationally, you know. They're doing well. And here you are, you're trying to walk with God, you're trying to serve him, and you just seem to be getting, you know, 
hit up the side of the head one after another. Why is that? That was interesting because in Jeremiah's time, and culturally, that's kind of what was going on. Uh, they had been uh, uh, kind of digressing from uh, following God. The, the Israelites were, were worshiping other gods or other idols. And, and, and then there was a king, a good king, that gets placed into power for Israel. Asa, I believe his name was. And Asa begins to implement some, some reforms, spiritual reforms for the country. Begins to tear down some of the idols. And, and there's a bit of a revival that begins to, to happen within Israel. And then for some reason, we don't know why, but for some reason, King Asa decides to go out and confront Pharaoh Necho from, from Egypt. The Pharaoh was, was passing through Israel, through the land there, to get to Babylon because he wanted to deal with King Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon. And for some reason, I don't know, maybe King, King Asa got, got intimidated by Pharaoh Necho, but he goes out there to confront the Pharaoh and he ends up getting killed. And the Pharaoh puts into power a wicked king <laughs> over Israel and plummets the nation right back into idolatry. The, you know, the corruption just continues to grow. And, and, and Jeremiah just doesn't understand this. You, you ever wondered that? You know, why is it that the wicked seem to prosper? <laughs> well, you know what is even more important? Is that God never answers that question. Oh, he does give him an answer that I think is the more important answer, but he never does answer Jeremiah's request he never answers the question why but he does say this now he uses a bit of mo- a poetry when he when he speaks but he says hey jeremiah let me tell you something he said if you're getting tired running with men what are you going to do when you got to compete against horses say what what does that mean okay okay let me let me try to explain it to you a little clearer if you find that it's difficult to walk on the plain sands along the jordan river what are you going to do when you got to walk through the thicket of the jordan hey we got any hunters here any of you guys hunt deer? You ever get gotten caught in the thickets? That's sometimes I don't know what it's called out there. Some of the plants out there that where the deer are. You know, the deer like to bed down. Early on, when I was first learning how to hunt, um, I, I up on Sandy Ridge, uh, just before you get into Phillipsburg, it used to be one of our favorite hunting grounds. I, I got I got locked into this this thicket. I don't know what the plant was. I know it was it was thick. The deer liked to bed down there, and that's why I was going through. I couldn't move, and for a minute I started to panic. I couldn't move my arms. I couldn't go forward. And then I remember my good friend told me, hey, Tim, if that ever happens, all you got to do is just relax and just walk backwards. Just, just work. Ah, boy. But I thought about that. I've never forgotten that. You know, I could not get through that thicket. I got stuck. I couldn't move my arms. couldn't move the gun that was in my hand. And it wasn't until I said, okay, calm down and just walk backwards. Well, in, in many ways, that's what God, I think, is saying to Peter or, or what Peter is trying to say to us as it relates to circumstances that we may go through in our lives where we don't want to walk with the Lord anymore. We don't want to serve Him anymore. You see, it's kind of like what God told Jeremiah. Jeremiah, let me tell you something. Things are going to get worse. That's what he was saying. If you're having a hard time now and you think it's so bad, what are you going to do when it really gets worse? And it did really get worse. See, I sometimes wonder in our own culture, in our own society, if God is not trying to give us those kinds of messages today, that, hey, you know what? If you're having a hard time living... In, in the culture you're at right now, what are you going to do if it gets worse? Um, many of us know that the Supreme Court has recently decided to redefine uh, marriage from its traditional um, definitions. I, and I thought, I said, what, what right do they have? They're not theologians. Who are they to redefine marriage? And, and what it's done is it's probably going to cause some, some persecution to come upon the church 
Uh, there's going to be some churches that may lose their tax-exempt numbers uh, or status uh, initially. I know there may be other issues that are going to happen because of that. But I'm thinking, you know, what is our response going to be as Christians? As, as we have to go through times like that, um, and maybe some of you are already experiencing the, the aspect of, of dealing with persecution or alienation. I, don't, I know there's been times in my life where I, I just, you know, yeah, I'm going through the motions of doing what I'm supposed to be doing, but I have forgotten. I have forgotten what God has done for me. Uh, and it's, not, it's not something that is, is, is really real to me. Again, if we look at, at the situation, what Peter is talking about, one of the first things I want us to look at, because these are words of encouragement uh, that, that deal with the issue of at times when it's difficult for us to want to go forward with regards to our faith, uh, with regards to, to uh, walking with, with Christ. Notice what he says in verse 9. The question becomes this, who am I? Who am I in Christ? As, as a child that is adopted by Christ, as, as a person who, who has come into his family, he, he says he wants us to notice uh, uh, some of those things uh, that will happen to us if we are not progressing in our faith. Because that's what, that's what Peter is trying to encourage the people he is initially writing to, and by extension you and I today, is that we need to keep moving forward. Okay? Someone once said that in the Christian life you're either moving forward or backwards. If you think you're in neutral, no, you're moving backwards. There is no neutrality. And sometimes, quite honestly, when I, when I get mad at God or I get discouraged and, and, and I'm, I'm kind of tired of serving God, I just kind of go through the motions. Yeah, I go to church, but my heart's not really there. Yeah, I sing the hymns of the faith, but I'm not really worshiping God. And it probably looks like I am on the outside. You know, I'm having my quiet times where I'm just reading words. I'm praying, but I'm not really into this. Yeah, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, but I know my heart's not there. That's one of the beauties about this theological ref- reflection uh, uh, process that they, they're challenging us as students to be involved in. It forces you to kind of sit and look, okay, this was the circumstances I went through. This is what I was thinking. This is what I was feeling. This is how I responded. Ooh, how does that match up biblically? Ouch. You know, I, I see my character needs a little more working. I need to be a little more patient, a little more kind, maybe a little more understanding. I mean, it's, it's good. I, I'm, not, I'm not a big journaler. I'm lazy. <laughs> I don't like to sit down and write, I guess. Um, but I'm learning why there's something important to that. See, Peter says this. If you look in verse 9, he says, Look, if anyone does not have these qualities, the qualities that we just read that he's talking about, and, and if they're not increasing in measure, then that person is nearsighted. It's like they're blind. They've, they've forgotten what God has done in terms of cleansing us from our past sins. You know, sometimes I think it is really good for us to take some time and, and kind of reflect on, because it's easy to be deceived and think, hey, I'm doing really well when I'm really not. And, and that's, again, why you take that time to journal and think, okay, was my, my attitude exactly where it should have been? Uh, how about my behavior? Uh, well, I thought I was acting. No, you really weren't. Okay, Lord. And so it, it, it helps me because I don't want to get into the situation where I become blinded. You see, Peter goes on to explain that in greater detail, that that the glory uh, of who we are in Christ, he he says it in verse 3. If you have your Bibles, look there. He says his divine nature or his divine power, God's divine power, has given us everything we need to live. Do you realize that? You have all the resources, all the power, all that which is necessary to live life and, and to live it successfully, I might add as well as to live a godly life. That's what he says here. 
Okay? And now this comes through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Ah, you see, uh, there's that aspect of of we glorify God out of the virtues, okay, that that he is instilling in our lives uh, as we become more and more Christ-like. You see, that's the, the aspect in terms of who am I in Christ. Well, I am someone who is forgiven. And because I have been forgiven of all my past sins, my present sins, and any future sins, that, that helps me in terms of, of at least wanting, or should, to get to know God better, to trust Him more. You see, it's, it's one thing to, to understand some of these truths academically, and we need that. We need to gain that knowledge academically or, or mentally, but then there's also the experiential knowledge. You see, we've got to walk through those circumstances where it's like, oh, I've got to apply my faith. Well, how do you apply your faith? Well, I had to apply my faith a number of weeks ago, but dealing with pain. You know, when you're in constant pain, that just wears you down. Some of you may know that if you're struggling. I, I felt that that week. It was like, wow. I, I, just, I could barely walk to class. You know, it's bad enough I'm the oldest guy on campus looking-wise, there's only one other professor that has white hair like I do, and everybody else is younger looking. And I'm walking like I can barely move because I can barely move. And I'm thinking, oh, what do these people think? Probably the younger guys are going, what's this old guy doing here? You know, and I'm thinking, yeah. And it's like, <laughs> just the pressure. It's like, okay, God, just, just one step at a time. I've got to trust you to rely upon your power to help me get through. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm not going to worry about the end of the day. I'm just going to worry about getting from my dorm to the classroom. Then it was like, okay, keep me awake because <laughs> I didn't want to fall asleep with the medication I was on and the pain. You know, because that's embarrassing. You know, a professor sees you sleep and it's like, oh, come on, really? You, you can't, no, I can't. Well, okay, anyway, God helped me in that way. And I was grateful for that. Why? Because it has to do with this issue of understanding who am I in Christ? What are the things that, that I can draw upon that can help me? But, but Peter just doesn't leave us there. He goes on. He says, the second point here is that we need to remember that we are to become all that we can spiritually. See, look look what he says in verse 5. He says, for this very reason, in other words, because of who you are in Christ and what God has given you in Christ, okay, the forgiveness uh, plus many other things uh, that are true of us, God is basically, uh, uh, Peter is encouraging us that because of this, we are to make every effort to add to our faith. We are to be diligent. We are to work hard at that. Yeah, sometimes I ask God, just, okay, God, just zap me. You know, that's what I want to have happen to me, and I'm spiritual. But God says, no, you've got to walk through these experiences. Oh, God, I've already walked through that before. Yes, that's true, Tim. But you know what? We're going to go a little deeper. Oh, okay, Lord, you know. And then, and then once we go through those experiences, we look back, we see, wow, you know, God really was faithful. God really did do what he said he would do. Now, maybe he didn't do it the way I wanted him to do it, but he did accomplish those things that he said. What is that? To become spiritual. And and, and that's that's what he talks about here. See, God honors us by entrusting us with a certain role that we have in this relationship with him. In in other words, it, it isn't just a matter of where we sit back and say, okay, God, zap me, and now I'm spiritual. It's, it's a matter of, a, of learning how to work with God. It is true that God is the one who does the transformation in our lives to make us more Christ-like. But that doesn't mean we just sit back and do nothing. See, there, there has to be effort produced to, well, like for example, walk with God through those times when it's difficult. To not give up when we want to. 
to, to continue to, to press on. See, that's what he says here in verse 5. He says, make every effort to add to your faith. Now, in this process that we are invited to engage with God in, this is how the growth happens. We add to our faith. That's the starting point. Remember, we, we came into this personal relationship that we call, uh, that we have with Christ. It's a personal relationship. That happened by faith, okay? Faith means trusting God, trusting that his ways are the right ways, trusting that he knows what's best for us. Uh, yeah, I'll be honest with you. I've, I've been going, my wife and I have been going through a, a set of circumstances the last four years that have been bewildering to us. We, we have seen the ministry at Penn State dry up. You know, historically, we, we have had many years of, of very fruitful, successful ministry, large numbers of athletes involved. We've seen that dry up. We've seen our support begin to dry up. We, we have seen um, to the point of where uh, I was told, uh, you're not welcome in the football locker room <laughs> by Coach Franklin's. Um, I can't put up a poster there that says, hey, we got Bible study. I can't do team meetings like I used to do. I can't get some of the coaches uh, on campus to return my phone calls. Uh, wow, I mean, this is just really weird and really strange. And there's this attitude among the athlete, in, within the athletic department, out with the old, in with the new. And it's based upon the Louis Free report when the Jerry Sandusky um, issue hit. Well, I'm part of the old. <laughs> and unfortunately, I'm too close to to Joe Paterno's administration and, and what went on. Um, and and that, that's really had an impact. Uh, not only that, but then AIA is not going to be placing any new staff at, at Penn State. And so for the last four years, it's been like, wow, God, what are you doing? From, from Bill O'Brien, who came in and offered me a, a, a position uh, to minister on the team like I never had with Joe Paterno. And I thought, wow, we have got a mandate from God to stay to where a week before the first game... Bill O'Brien says, oh, by the way, you're no longer the chaplain for the football team. To where Franklin says, you're not even welcome down in the locker room. <laughs> and I'm going, God, hello, a little help here. You know, uh, yeah, I've been depressed. Yeah, I've, I've gotten to the point where it's like, I, I don't want to walk. I don't want to have quiet times. I don't want to pray to God because, God, I don't think you're listening. I can't make sense out of, but what I've got to do is go back to not the way I feel, but what do I know to be true? And what Peter is telling us here is you've got to keep moving forward. Okay, you've got to know, you've got you to go back to what do you know about God? You know, who is God and what is he like? Many of you know, I, one of my favorite verses is uh, Daniel 11.32. The New American Standard translates Daniel 11.32 this way. But the people who know their God will display strength and take action. You see, your strength and how much you get involved in walking with the Lord and serving Jesus is going to be dependent upon how well do you know God. What is God like? You know, who is he? Well, the best way to learn is not just from our academic studies of the Bible and doctrine, but our experiential studies. As we walk through God, and, and there are times when I don't understand why God does what he does. But I will tell you this, because of this one class I took in April, on leadership, I'm beginning to understand better what God is doing. See, given my spiritual gift mix and my personality, I am probably at the best place that I could be in terms of ministry. That's why I've been at Penn State for 36 years. You see, I would still be there if God hadn't 
started to do some things to show me that, no, you know, it's time to move on. He's gotten my attention. Oh, okay. You see, the last four years has allowed me to study more in terms of my theology. For decades, I've wanted to get my master's in, in, in theology, and that's coming, hopefully, to fruition. I just got two more classes. Hopefully, I'll pass those. <laughs> I hope. Um, but it's like, okay, I'd still be doing what I'm doing if God hadn't begun to shut doors and show me that, okay, oh, I, I need to apply my gifts, my spiritual gift mix, my personality, but somewhere else. So, yeah, yeah, this will be our last year on campus. We're going to be retiring from the campus ministry at Penn State, but not from the ministry. We're, we're going to continue to trust God. I don't know where, but we're going to continue to trust God that he's got a place for us somewhere. Now, that's hard, you know, but it's, it's been four years of working through, God, what are you doing? To finally come to the point, oh, okay, God, I see. I get it now. You know what? For the first time in four years, I don't have a pit in my stomach in July, in August, as I think about going into the fall. There's been a lot of other things that have happened that have been just, you know, where I've wanted to give up in the ministry uh, that I don't have time to share with you. Uh, but as it relates to this issue, of, of where we add to our faith, okay? That's where you start. And, and as you do that, you add goodness. What is that? Well, that's moral excellence and virtue. We're encouraged to do that. Uh, we're encouraged that, that to take on more and more the character of Christ as we allow the Spirit to work within us. And then he says, you know, add to this goodness knowledge. Ah, there's that word again. The knowledge of who is God and what is he like. Yes, it's, it's important to read books, take classes, but it's also important to, to, to walk through those experiences so the knowledge and, and the walk becomes something that complements each other. And again, with this knowledge, Peter goes on to say, add to that self-control. This is the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to choose to think the right thoughts at the right time or to choose to, to uh, respond properly at the right time, to, to do the right thing at the right time. That's the Holy Spirit working. When, when we want to maybe you know, shake our fist in the face of God and say, God, I hate you. I'm going to go my own independent way and leave me alone to, to where I say, okay, God, uh, yeah, I'm angry. Yeah, I don't understand. Help me. Help me in my unbelief. Help me in, in terms of, of understanding more of who you are and what you're doing. And then he goes on, he says, you know, add perseverance. Th- this is a lifelong process of, of working to, to continue to move forward. You know, that's, what, that, that's what Peter is encouraging these believers, and I, like I say, by extension, you and I today to do, to not give up. And then after this, he says, add to that godliness. You know, and after godliness, it's brotherly kindness. This has to do with how we treat each other. And then ultimately, he says, add to it love, agape love. That's God's supernatural love. That's not a love I can, I can give to other people. That's, that's a love that has to come through what the Spirit of God is doing in my life as I allow Him to work in my life. You see, it's, it's something that I have to do, it, but it's a beautiful pr- picture of the process of spiritual growth, which is what God wants for us. Even though we may be going through circumstances that are difficult, uh, we don't understand or we don't even agree with. You see, the results, he says, point three is this. Uh, th- there's going to be a, 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 a process that we go through that will begin to produce something. Something that is, that is fruitful, something that is good. Verse 8, he says, For if, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, okay, notice, he says, you're not going to be ineffective, nor are you going to be unproductive. 
You'll be effective and you'll be productive, not in the things you do, but in your knowledge of who God is. You see, it's not, it's not about producing. It's not about performing. It's about having a relationship. You see, as, as we learn how to relate to God, and we allow God to work in our lives, the natural result of that is, yeah, there will be performance. There will be things that we are going to do uh, that we're going to see God do in terms of working in our lives. We're going to see lives changed as he uses us. Uh, we're going to see his goodness and his faithfulness as we, we continue to trust him. Um, but, but the interesting thing here is that Paul's emphasis is not on performance, but on relationship. Performance in the Christian life flows out of the relationship that we have with God. So we grow in our confidence. We grow in our anticipation. We grow in joy. He brings back the joy of our salvation. You know, and that's, that's something that's beautiful to be able to, to experience. Well, again, I, I don't know where you're at personally, but uh, I would ask you to pray for Denise and I. I mean, we are on a, an experience like I never wanted to have, kind of an Abraham experience where God is telling us to go somewhere, but we don't know where. Remember, that's what he told Abraham. He said, Abraham, go to land. I'm going to show you. Okay, God, where is it? He didn't tell him. <laughs> Abraham had to kind of just use common sense and figure out, okay, well, I'll go this way, and if not, God will redirect me. And he, God eventually got him, but he didn't tell Abraham where the promised land was. Abraham had to take those steps of faith, and, and he did it. I never wanted that kind of experience. I wanted to be able to say, okay, we're retiring from the campus ministry, and this is where we're going. And <sighs> Now, we're going to be at Penn State for another year. going to close out there. I've got the, the finished training, uh, a young man that's on staff with us in the eastern part of the state and uh, some of his volunteer staff. But for the most part, we're, we're winding down. And, again, I, I can't thank this church enough for the many years of support financially and prayerfully for the work. In fact, the ministry that, uh, that's happening in the eastern part of the state with Athletes in Action is because of you people. See, Neil is a product of, of the ministry there at Penn State. Your prayers, your gifts. Uh, Neil is, it came out of our ministry. He's, he's now got an incredible ministry that's going on at Temple and Lehigh and uh, another smaller college in, in downtown uh, Philadelphia looking to expand. Um, so the work goes on, and, and you've had an impact on, in that. I hope you'll stay with us. Um, uh, at least until we make this transition. Um, uh, you know, that would be very helpful uh, for that. But, uh, again, this, this is kind of where we're at, kind of what we're going through, what we're thinking. Uh, it's not what I would cho- have chosen in terms of how, but because of who God is. God always does the right thing. He always does the best thing, and he still loves us. And he promises, okay, good things, good things for us if we continue to walk with him and serve him. So as Peter says... As, as, as his challenge to us, it, it, remember the call, okay? Peter's call for you and I is to remember. Remember, who am I in Christ as, a, as an adopted child of his? Remember that I am forgiven. And, and remember what he says. I love Hebrews, Hebrews 4.16. The writer of Hebrews says this. He says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. That's, that's God's throne. Let us draw, draw near to God, in other words, he's saying. Why? That we might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you need God's help? Draw close to his throne. You can confidently come before him because your sins have been forgiven. You are cleansed by God. He, he wants you to come to him and to ask him for his help.
Not, he's not going to say necessarily he's going to take away whatever the, the pain is or the problem or the, the persecution you may be going through, but he says, I'm going to walk with you through it, and together we can make it. Let me pray for us. Father God, um, I just come before you now, right now, just, just asking that your Holy Spirit might be able to take uh, a principle or two from um, this message that I shared a little bit in my heart with the congregation, that, that they might be able to take a, a principle and apply it to, to their situation, whatever it might be, that you would just encourage us all to keep on moving forward, to not um, give up, even when it seems like, eh, it's so hard to put one step in front of the other. I know there may be some people that are struggling with depression, and I know what that's like. And it's just hard to do anything besides just sit there and stare. But, Father, would you just continue to show yourself faithful to helping, to encourage, no matter where we're at in our, in our walk with you. Well, I pray for the, uh, Dave, this friend of mine who's struggling in his faith and his theology is being challenged like never before. Uh, will you help him to move forward? I pray for, uh, for Matt, who's in the hospital right now. May he sense uh, your presence. Will you touch his body? Um, Lord, will you just continue to give the doctors great wisdom and skill in terms of how they treat him? Uh, Father, if it be according to your kind intention, will you just miraculously touch Matt and heal him? Or if you prefer him to be healed through the medical profession, uh, do it that way too. But either way, Lord, um, our desire is to see that you get the glory. But encourage his family during this time. May they sense your presence and uh, not fear. And uh, the same thing for Matt as he goes through this, this time. And Lord, uh, we just want to tell you again that we love you. We appreciate who you are, what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for your grace, for your mercy. We don't deserve what we have, but you have been so wonderful to give us more than, than what we deserve. We love you and we appreciate uh, what you're doing in our lives. And uh, we're going to ask all these things in our Lord and Savior's matchless name, Jesus Christ. Amen.